1: NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's Wednesday, February 15th, and you are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast.
3: That is the voice of today's special guest. He has flown the flags of the Browns, the Ravens, the Jets, the Patriots, and the Chiefs. And before you accuse him of entirely rejecting the NFC... Keep in mind, he did a turn with the Atlanta Falcons as well. Granted, he put the NFC to the sword three times in four years as the de facto general manager of the New England Patriots, closing down that Rams' greatest show on turf in Super Bowl 36, putting the Panthers on a leash in Super Bowl 38, and clipping the Eagles in Super Bowl 39. He was the NFL Executive of the Year four times by my count and was named the NFL Executive of the Decade, by both Sports Illustrated and the Sporting News. This just in, he was NFL Executive of the Year five times. Translation, he knows a hell of a lot more about scouting, drafting, and developing talent than we do. So let's sit tight and listen. He's the former all-New England defensive tackle. He's the pride of Washingtonville, New York. He's the architect of the Patriot Way. He's Scott Pioli. Welcome to the podcast, Scott
1: Pioli. Great to be here, and those Washingtonville Wizards, I'm glad you gave him a shout-out. Gotta love the Wizards. I'm
3: going to circle back on them at the end based on a story that you told me that I found thrilling and fascinating and wonderful. We're going to get to that. On today's show, 15 days from the start of the NFL Scouting Combine and 71 days until the Chicago Bears are on the clock in the first round of the NFL Draft. Scott Pioli is conducting a graduate-level seminar on the art of scouting NFL prospects. Totally free. You're welcome. But first, (laughs) from the site of the 2023 NFL Draft, KCMO, this.
4: You can doubt the Chiefs. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're gonna have to deal with the Chiefs being Super Bowl 57 champs.
3: That is the unmistakable voice of Mitch Holtus oh, the and great we, promised Mitch Holtus. You Chiefs, we promised you Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade coverage and we are delivering on that promise Eagles fans just hang in there for this one here was the scene Scott you saw it was a sea of joy flooding the streets of Kansas City the skies were gray the eyes were red from the wind and the cold but hundreds of thousands of Chiefs fans braved the weather seemed immune to the effects of temperatures in the 30s as they packed Grand Boulevard and Union Station. I reckon we can thank the warm glow of Victory and Bud Light for their partnership (laughs) in that endeavor. Patrick Mahomes joining Tom Brady and Joe Montana as the only players in NFL history with multiple MVPs and Super Bowl MVPs. Patrick, of course, the man of the moment on Sunday, the man on the mic today.
1: Kansas City with the world champs. Can I get a hell yeah?
4: Say we appreciate everybody that's here today.
1: We're back again. We're back again. Before we start this season, the AFC West said we were rebuilding. I'm be honest with y'all. I don't know
4: what rebuilding means. In our rebuilding year, we're world
1: champs. We're world champs.
3: Uh, Pioli, can I get a hell yeah? Heck yeah. There you go. He cleaned it up. He's good like that. (laughs) Next man up, a man who, for my money, had his finest year as a head coach. A man who, with a second Super Bowl title, enters rarefied air in the pantheon of NFL head coaches, the best play designer in the biz, and the best mustache in the biz, Andy Hmm. Reid.
4: I'll tell you what, there's some, uh, there's some great cities in America, um, but there's no place you'd rather be and no greater place to be than right here, baby. You are the kingdom, and let's give it one for the world. How about those? Cheese.
3: Next man up, the sultan of the scoop and the Score, Nick Bolton.
4: How we doing, Cheese Kingdom? Hey man, I just wanna give y'all a special shout out, man. Uh, I appreciate our support, man, uh, from Missouri all the way to here, man. Uh, like Pat said, man, it's just the beginning. Oh, we're just getting started, man. i see y'all, boy, next year.
3: And, of course, we couldn't wait to hear from who else, number 87, the man who never saw a mic, he couldn't overmodulate, Mitch Holthus, do the honors, please.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, the best tight end in the National Football League, T.K. Travis Kelsey. Chiefs kingdom, let me hear you! Let me take you back to 2022 in the month of maybe April. Guys were getting signed left and right. The haters were saying that the Chiefs would never make the playoffs. The haters were saying the Chiefs were done. If you knew the Chiefs were going to win the division, let me hear you say, Hell yeah. Hell yeah! All right now.
3: Okay, so that's what the thrill of victory sounds like, everyone. So, to all of us who are attached to the 31 NFL teams who didn't have a victory parade today, take note. Don't be bitter, be better. And imagine having your own party. And if you're gonna take the time to imagine, hell, make it a good imagination. Make it a great dream. Elaborate and wonderful and commit to it. Don't forget, three short seasons ago, the Philadelphia Eagles finished dead last in the NFC East, won four games all that season. Three days ago, they stood at the threshold of history. Don't believe your team can do it? Well, then you probably won't. Because as a great woman once said, the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. Thank you, Eleanor Roosevelt. Dream big, beautiful dreams, NFL fans. What the hell else do we do this for?
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring,
3: You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast, Andrew Lady with a podcast debutant, an NFL front office legend, the one-man three-ring circus, that's Super Bowl rings, Scott Pioli. Scott, thank you so much for your patience as we covered the parade, but I did so in your presence because you have a little red, gold, and white blood running through your veins.
1: Absolutely.
3: Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, not the worst foundation on which to build. Eight rookies, played significant time in the Super Bowl, nine draft picks in this year's draft. Is this team, Scott, set up for a proper run that is worthy of the hot-button label that you yourself earned?
1: Dynasty! Gosh, we hated that term when we were you did. as we were working through it. You did, yeah, we did, because it it was always about looking to the future and th- you know speculating and not keeping your eye on the now. But you know, there's we were fortunate. My time there, we won three and four years, and then we went to a fourth and lost that one to the Giants. But I see some similarities, and and there's the the, the most obvious similarities are. Future Hall of Fame head coaches in both Bill Belichick and Andy Reid, both are going to go to the Hall of Fame. Yep. Two quarterbacks, one we know is going to the Hall of Fame, and quite honestly, Patrick Mahomes is going to go and be there with Brady, uh, who, who did it—you know—helped us in New England, helped us a little bit. But <laughs> you know, the other thing that I see is they have a system, they have a process, and I am a big believer in systems and processes. The Chiefs have a system and a process that matches their head coach, a head coach's style, the makeup of the individuals that he wants on his team, and they've had this continuity within their personnel department, so they know how to build a team, not just build a team, but build a team for Andy Reid, who their leader is. The other thing that I see that the, the Chiefs have similar to what we have had was the fact that they have a defense and a special teams that are not only good, but they're opportunistic. You know, we scored a lot of points on defense back in the day. Our defense really helped Tommy as Tommy was just beginning to develop and become the player that he was. Our defense served Tommy very well, particularly in our first Super Bowl year. Then our special teams did the same thing. We scored a lot of special teams points, and quite honestly, they set up opportunities. Just go back to this Super Bowl, and you see what the Chiefs' defense did to help Patrick Mahomes, and then what special teams did. I mean, that return, Super Bowl record punt return, right? Yep. Sets them up to put – to go up big in the game, yes, and gets them to the thirty-five points that were just three shy of their their winning number, and a scoop and score by the defense. So I see what I see in the Kansas City Chiefs is they are set up as a team, as a franchise, as an organization that has tremendous leadership in the coaching area. They have a good personnel department. They have a terrific ownership because that's the other thing is, you know, we were very fortunate, Bill and I, you know, in New England with the Crafts. And I will say this having worked for Clark Hunt, Clark is one of the finest people and believes and puts so empowers his people to work and gives them all the resources that they need. So there's a lot of things that I see that are similarities why there might be a strong chance. Everyone says Patrick Mahomes. Yes, that. Is the key a pivotal How, integral piece? Yeah, but as we've seen, Andrew, there's been a lot of very prolific quarterbacks in this league that put up dynamite numbers, have incredible seasons. There's been a lot of regular season MVPs that haven't won Super Bowls. The reason a team wins the Super Bowls was yes, they have a great quarterback, but they also have a great team surrounding them. Yeah, Dan Marino and Matt Ryan just threw their cell phones on the ground.
3: <laughs> um, we became smarter NFL fans watching what you and Bill were able to do in New England. I think we finally started to embrace this kind of holistic macro view of what really makes a great team. And we started to adopt phrases like, in all phases of the game. And we started to pay attention. We started to really pay attention with real intention to all phases of the game. Cut to Sunday. The team that came in with the vaunted defense wore green, and yet the team defense that made the play that mattered, Nick Bolton, was wearing white. We came in expecting maybe that kickers would have a say in the game. You yourself experienced what it was like to Mm. have a game-winning kick or two in a Super Bowl. Now, obviously, Harrison Butker missed a kick early in the game, but later in the end, when it mattered most, he made the kick that won the game. We talk about special teams. And as you mentioned, the Kadarius Tony 65-yard punt return, which almost surprised me that it was the longest in Super Bowl history. Hmm. But of course, you go back and think, well, of course it was. Um, Gave the most dangerous man in the NFL a short field and turned the game script for that game so very quickly, instantly. All phases of the game in the end, belonged to, for all of the exploits, for all of the greatness that was Jalen Hurts on the day, the Kansas City Chiefs proved that balance can win a day against a team that maybe had a slightly better offense on the day.
1: Uh, And on that particular day, the Kansas City Chiefs team... Played better than the Philadelphia Eagles team. The things you mentioned, you know, and, and that goes back to, like you said, when we were with the Patriots, it was Troy Brown on special teams yes. and his return yes. setting us up to do different things. You know, it was our defense making big plays. Time and time again. And, you know, in this game, again, you mentioned the what was supposed to be the defensive line that was going to give the hobbled Patrick Mahomes problems. And here the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line turns around and I, I I don't remember the exact numbers, but the Eagles' defensive line applied more pressure than any other team in the National Football League, rushing only four. Yes. This game, they got crazy, wanted to do some extra blitzes, yes. and the Chiefs picked it all
3: up. It didn't work. The, the numbers that you were referencing, they led the NFL this year with 70 sacks in right. the regular season. 50 of those came with four, four man rush. or fewer guys right. rushing the passer, which is extraordinary, and yet... They did the Kansas City Chiefs did what you guys made an art of doing, which is okay. What's your strength? What's the thing that we see in you that could hurt us the most? We're going to neutralize that, and that is precisely what the Kansas City Chiefs and the O line, to your credit, pointing it out now, did on Sunday.
1: And Andy Reid didn't, you know, did an incredible. Andy Reid knows protection. He knows how to protect his yes. quarterback. He did it when he was in Philly. Yep. He does it now. He he's an old offensive lineman. He gets it. He and that was a big part of it. You know, you look at that offensive line, there's not a lot of stars on that offensive line, not a lot of top draft picks. But what they've done is they've collected a group of guys that have played together, they do things together, and that's what we were in the New England Patriots. We had one first-round pick, I think, in all those years, Logan Mankins, who was number 32 overall, but it's still a first-round pick. The rest of it, you know, it was guys. Steve Neal, who didn't even play... You know, college football, he was a collegiate wrestler. Joe Andrewsy, Mike Compton. You know you go through that list of guys that played for us. And Matt there are Light. a lot of people listening in who, when they hear Neil Compton and Drewsy,
3: will not know those names. No. They may remember the name Logan Mankins, but even Logan Mankins, as good as he was, late first round pick, didn't come in with a lot of fanfare, doesn't have that kind of name recognition, that Q rating, as we used to talk about in Hollywood. And yet you took those guys and turned them into... Unbeatable champions. Well, you
1: you say you meaning we yes and Dante Skarnickia. Let, okay, let's be, let's be clear. Let's be clear about this, guys. Let's Not be clear me. About you. This. Uh,
3: in 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 what I do, we attempt to get our interview subjects to sort of take credit. And most of them do. When given the opportunity, let's be clear, most of them do. Scott Pioli is not one of those guys. He will be the first to remind me and the first to remind all of us that this is we over me. And we will get, actually, I want to address that point a little bit later on. But let's, Professor Pioli, please, straighten up your suit and tie, please. Uh, He's he's actually wearing a hoodie. Let's be clear about that. Uh, Professor, your students are in class. Our notebooks are open and we are ready to take notes Because as, of course, we all know, with the Super Bowl in our rearview mirror, scouting season is officially upon Mm -hmm. us. Now, this will become a seminar in two parts today. Part one, scouting talent. Part two, building a winner. Hand in glove? Yes. But let's start with scouting talent. It's an impossible question to answer. It's an unfair question
1: to ask. I'm going to do it anyway. What are you looking for, Scott? What you should be looking for is obviously you want talent. But sometimes talent gets overrated because not all talent can fit into every culture and develop. Because talent acquisition is one part of it. Then player development is the other part. So it takes that, that, that group think It takes a village yes. to create a great team yes. and, and, and great players. Yes, some people come in and are extraordinarily talented and they can just do certain things. That doesn't necessarily make them good teammates. So what you have to do is you have to make sure as you're acquiring the talent, this was something we always talked about with the Patriots. We were not looking for the best 53. We were looking for the right 53. Because individuals go to Pro Bowls, teams win championships. We wanted to win championships. So as we brought players in, we wanted them to to fit our scheme, specifically what we ran offensively and defensively, yes. But we also needed guys who really were going to flourish under – bill belichick's teaching not only his methods and you know but his style his uh the way that the culture that we had there and it was an exceedingly demanding culture so we had to bring in players and and really throughout our organization not just players but you look at all the people that we developed in there young coaches young scouts the people that were developed there they were of a certain fabric quite honestly and they had to be able to You know, our our culture was at times difficult and demanding. We have heard stories time and time
3: again from very well-known players who I will not name check now. But they have told these stories themselves without apology. That maybe some at the end of their career, some at the beginning of their career, they went to Foxborough and they realized, whoa, this is too much for me. I'm not up for this. This is not my thing. I require a little bit more latitude, a lot more leash. Fewer rules and less of, I think it comes, I was about to use the word oppressive and that's unfair, but less of unfair
1: a, and inaccurate, and, ina- <laughs> and inaccurate.
3: but less of less intention with the locker room, with the culture. We talk about culture all the time and we kind of throw that word around and it starts to lose impact the more we do it. That's true. Talk to me about the culture specific to your experience. What was, when we yeah, talk about the Patriot yeah. way, that is a. That is a culture thing that we are describing, is it not? And if so, what was that culture? What was so important to you and Bill?
1: You know, in, in certain ways, it was it was singularly focused. And it was about winning. And it was about winning the way that we knew worked for us. What was right for us wasn't right for everyone else. Yes. Because it worked for us doesn't mean that our way was the only way or the, or the best way. That matched our personalities and the way that we pursued things. You know, um we were singularly focused in everything that we did had to do with winning and the greater good. And at times um we were obsessive. Uh, at times it was uncomfortable, but some of the uncomfortable things is, you know, people talk about discipline. And and, and the discipline wasn't necessarily over the top. There was just an expectation that you had a job to do, and your job, the way that you did it, was going to affect and impact everyone around you. So everyone needed to do their job and leaves at times, leave your own personal desires or certain things that made you happy, you know. Um, at the door. Of, at, at the door, because it wasn't about you. Okay, it so. Was, it, it, no, no, this, this is a fascinating conversation because – no, go ahead. Go no, ahead. Well,
3: well, the reason I, w- I wanted to interrupt, and forgive me for, for doing so, but let's put ourselves back in where we are right now in the NFL calendar. You have been through this process countless number of times. NFL scouts, front office execs, more to the point coaches all around the league are right now, and have been for a while, let, there is an overlap of, of focus you are in the playoffs you are preparing for games meanwhile you've got guys on your staff who are preparing for the combine and the draft you are always working there's never a day off no days off famously a new england saying it may inspire an eye roll from jets fans and dolphins fans but they would be better off adopting that mantra instead of rejecting it but my question to you is this how do you identify the difference between a guy who can measure up to this rather high, exalted, and vaulted standard that you had, and a guy who maybe says the right things, but maybe cometh the moment, cometh the man, didn't have what it takes? How do you identify? Is it a gut thing? Do you see in their
1: eyes? Or does the body
3: of work on tape tell the story?
1: It's a combination of okay. things. I mean, there's you, know, you want the measurables. They tell part of the story, but you want... It's, some of it is gut, some of it is just knowing people and having people skills and paying attention. It's listening with your ears and your eyes. It's watching body language. It's watching, you know, people watch the tape and they'll watch from snap to whistle. I like to see what happens after the whistle. How does a player react? How did they throw their teammate under the bus or not throw their, under the, their teammate under the bus? When they make a big play, do their teammates like, like him? Do they come and celebrate with him? do you know when 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 a teammate makes a play does that player run to his teammates and actually enjoy the process with his teammate there's so many things that you have to watch and that's you know yes talent is important you can't win without talent but this game is also about chemistry it's about togetherness it's about 11 people trying to do the right thing on every single play and do it together so you can make progress on offense or defense and you know it's it's and yes you can do psychological tests yes you can but there's there's certain things that you have to figure out about people this game is about people this world is about people team building is we're, let's talk about the let's not talk about the Patriots let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs yes. right now. They have great players there. They also have the right chemistry. You don't think that Travis Kelsey's value, not just as a player but as a person yes. and a glue guy, Clearly. that was a big thing. As a glue guy, are you kidding me, Chris Jones? There are certain people. All this other stuff matters, and Andy Reid has always been really, really good with making sure that he had the right players for his personality and what, what you know, the type of guys that he can get the most out of, and again, the way we did it in New England was our way of doing. It. Doesn't mean it was the best, or was it was right for us? How do you vet?
3: Do you are you talking to uh, to teammates? Are you talking to family members? Are you talking to to coaches, high school and college? Uh, how deep do you go on the dive? And because I always remember that scene from draft day, where Kevin Costner is calling the the head coach of Wisconsin to find out about this no-brainer, number one overall pick quarterback. And he asked the question, and yes, this is fiction, so forgive me, but he asked the question, is it true that none of his teammates showed up to his birthday party? And it almost speaks to something that you are saying. How do his teammates treat him? How do they respond to him? And maybe more importantly, how does he respond to adverse moments, to failure, right? Um, That kind of thing. How deep did you go in that in the dive we, for each
1: player? That was one of the most critical things about it. Some, and I'll t- I'll say this: the times that we didn't, we always did the work. Yes, and again, whether it was talking to people, we we dove deep, watching them at practice, making sure. And it wasn't just Bill, it wasn't just me, it wasn't just Ernie Adams. It was this group of scouts. We trained them as to the way we wanted to know and what we wanted to know. Yes. and we were always looking for stories and anecdotes. That were truth, obviously, but things like that that told us who the person was. That revealed
3: was. who the person really was in their core. Yeah,
1: and 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 you also, you know, you have to, um, you you have to sometimes you have to wait. Meaning W E I G H T weight the information that you're getting. Yes, because sometimes you'll talk to a coach at a particular university that either recruited the kid or has to go back into his old high school, or maybe they're thinking about bringing in his brother in a couple of years. Right, that you may not get the full truth. Right, not there's a political would, agenda yeah, in play, and you have to be able to sniff it out. That's life. That's life. Right, and right. not that people want to intentionally make you fail, of course not. but sometimes, hey, I, I'm guilty. Everybody's and, got their thing. Guilty is charged. When I see guys. That are grinders, that are do-more guys, that are extra studiers. I overvalue them as players. And it's sometimes why I fail and make mistakes. Because I overvalue some of the stuff over the ability. Right. And, you know, that we all have these biases or these blind spots. And that's part of what this whole scouting thing is. Is to make sure that you have enough people around you. To guard that- you. Exact And and, go, and, when, and to so see you things you're not to seeing, to
3: feel things you're not hey, feeling, to find out information you didn't know.
1: I cannot tell you how many times Bill and I were able to do that for one another in terms of final decisions right. on players where we would talk about certain things. And, um, you know, and we, you know, mentioned Logan Mankins before, you know, he, I'm going to digress here for, for one second here. Here were Bill's rules. Be on time, pay attention, work hard. Yeah, there's all these things that they put on T-shirts and all these other things he had. But when it came down to it, be on time, pay attention, work hard. If we could bring Bill players and his coaching staff players, because that's what his coaches had to be, be on time. If we brought him players who could be on time, pay attention, work hard, they had a chance. Obviously, they had to have enough skill. The other thing that they had to have in addition to that is they had to be smart. And in being smart, you know, we didn't care what their SAT scores were yeah. or their, you know, whatever. because all We're not of asking them, you to quote you know, Kaplan here. Yeah, and, and those tests are biased. Here's the measure of intelligence. Does he know what he knows and does he know what he doesn't know? Yeah. I think you've just revealed the blind spot for 90
3: plus percent of us in this world, including myself, maybe more so than anybody else I know knowing what you don't know. I think that there's an inner rejection of that which we don't know. We don't want to face it. We don't want to say it. We don't want to accept it. We don't want to metabolize it. We certainly don't want to call it out in public and and, and, and allow it to be judged by others. So
1: people who don't know what they don't know, they generally can't be coached or taught. And I'll never forget, there was this moment, my first year in Cleveland with Bill, we were, we were looking for a safety and we had a group of guys in for a workout and there was this, one particular guy will remain unnamed that we worked out and bill wanted to be a part of the workout and as bill was talking to the player and he started he was explaining the drill as bill saying hey listen i want you to do that and the player whether it was nervousness or whether it was insecurity or whatever his as bill started talking he's go, yeah 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 yeah, got it got it got it and bill would then say something and he kept on saying yeah 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 i got it and at some point Bill said, Hey, would you shut the F up and listen and <laughs> right. let me coach you? Right. But to me, it was an aha uh-huh moment to me. Now this kid was clearly the most talented and best guy that was a part of that workout, but he wasn't smart enough for Bill to coach. And he wasn't open to new data. Oh, yeah. He, he he just, um, but it was, it was a, it was a moment where I said, okay. And I remember having this long conversation with Bill about it at, you know, after that, and and again, I was a young guy. I was a slappy, so I was still trying to learn. And a you know, slappy
3: is that the vernacular? That's what they call the, the, the us. <laughs> the slappies. The slappy. The slappies. The entry level guys <laughs> are the slappies.
1: It's it's shorter for something else. I won't say on air. But, yes, thank you. Um, but it was a moment where, again, be on time, pay attention, work hard, and be smart. I mean, yes. Know what you know and know what you don't know. Yeah. And when you don't know something, shh, listen and learn.
3: You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast, Andrew Levy with Scott Pioli, a man who is responsible for drafting guys like Richard Seymour, Matt Light, Dion Branch, Asante Samuel, Vince Wilfork, Gerard Mayo, Matthew Slater. In Kansas City, he was responsible for Eric Berry and Justin Houston, and of course, famously, responsible for a guy named Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. back in 2000. Now, famously, Scott, in the sixth round, the 199th overall pick, I've always wanted to tease you about this. Uh If it was such a genius
1: pick, wouldn't you have made it in the second or third round? I've said that a million
5: times. You have. (laughs) I have. I mean,
3: it's
1: like, no, and on my desk, I keep a Fleer football card from that year. It's a rookie card. It's cut diagonally, you know, the photo. And in one corner, it shows the guy who we drafted in the round before him who remain name, nameless, and the player that we drafted in the sixth round, Tom Brady, and 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 that's why I say, you know, when people try to give us credit, um, that to me is one of the greatest examples of right player, right place, right time, right circumstance. He developed without Tommy. We we don't win a lot of games. But okay, but Tommy me, without us. Well, I was about you know to I was going to say what about Tommy without why you? Why can't? And that's the thing is, the people always want to make it about one thing. Two things. We're very reductive. Forgive us. (laughs) Three things. It's a very bullet point society. We can only take a little bit of data at a time. It was. It worked out, man. It worked out. And and the every time I've talked about that circumstance and that situation, the truth is, right? If we were that smart and would have known, we would have done it earlier. The, the, The one thing I will give us collectively as an organization credit for was that year in a league where most teams keep only two quarterbacks on their roster or maybe sometimes three quarterbacks on their roster I don't know the last time that a team kept four players four quarterbacks on their roster you had four we had four quarterbacks where we was had, Brady he was four. we had Bledsoe yes. was number one John Freeze was number Freeze. two and Michael Bishop, Michael Bishop was number three, and we K State Michael we, Bishop, Yes, K State Michael Bishop. You were ahead of your time with that. Uh, well, Bobby Greer, very interesting. Bobby Greer p- picked him. Bobby Greer was was a heck of a general manager and football guy, and he he we, so he was on the roster when we and got there Tom to Tom Brady to sitting come. there fourth. Hey Andrew, there was a point in time in two thousand we had four four quarterbacks active on our fifty three man roster, and There was a point in time where we had actually reduced the roster down because of salary cap problems that we had and just not having enough guys that we felt were ready to buy in for us. We had only 51 players on our 53-man roster, but four of them were quarterbacks. 51. You were
3: allotted 53. Mm -hmm. Everybody talks about the 96 cut to 70-something, cut to 53. You kept 51. You know what that reminds me of? Uh That scene in Hoosiers where Gene Hackman benches the kid who's shooting before the four passes – Hmm. keeps them on the bench when the one kid fouls out the referee comes over you've only got four on the court and hackman says my team's out there my team's on the court so if they weren't ready to be patriot players we can go with 51 not 53
1: and and were there other players maybe we couldn't get to him or maybe we weren't smart enough to find him, but we weren't going to keep guys to, and we had a cap issue. Yes, fair enough. Well, that's always, now that's, that's, that's
3: part two. That is a, that's beyond graduate level seminar for most of us, the finances. Listen, part two, we're going to get to quickly. Part one was about scouting talent and guys in summation, they are looking for guys who are smart they are looking for guys who are on time, who pay attention, who work hard, and maybe more importantly, are open to new ideas, are capable of being coached. Guys who know what they don't know. You need talent, of course. You need skill set, of course. You need to have the tools, absolutely. Without that, you don't get in the front door, but you don't stay in the room without being a culture fit. Player acquisition versus player development. Listen to what scapioli is saying. It is the trick to all of this. Part two of the seminar, building a winner. Now this, you could go on for hours about. But I think we're going to pick some of the things that you have already said. Building a winner. Scott Pioli, you have done it time and time again. Yes, you needed help. And the you here is all-encompassing for your team. Is it graft? Is it genius? Is it timing? Is it luck? Is it knowing what to do? Knowing what not to do? Is it all of those things? Is it impossible to answer? How do you build a winner?
1: Uh, It's a, a lot of those things you mentioned. And you do need some good fortune in this. Right there, there's certain things that are out of your control that have to happen and bounce your way or go your way, or you know whether it's the snowball or what you know. You, you know, some people call it that. What what do they call that game? Some people call it what the tuck rule. It's it's not. It's the snowball. Sometimes Raiders fans and nor good... I know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, we it, have no clue. It, but it's a combination of those things, and you know. But ultimately, because there's also there's winning. You can build a winner, sustaining success. Yes, is a whole. Different thing. and
3: um, Ask the Rams. No disrespect to the Rams. No but they, they They went all in. Uh, they, they built it last a certain season. way intentionally. They built and, it a certain way. It paid off. Where were they this year? In the hinterlands of hope.
1: And and, and you know what? And when you sustain something, you, know, you have to have people that, that are not only good players, but there has to deg- be a degree of selflessness. And our roster was littered. Even though it changed pretty consistently, um, we needed people to be selfless. It was Teddy Bruschi negotiating his own contract to stay extra years for less money. It's Tommy doing that time, time and time, and time, time again. again. Yeah. And a guy like – here's a guy that no one ever talks about, was a part of the, the, the Super Bowl teams. It was Anthony Pleasant, who played in the National Football League for 14 seasons. 14 NFL seasons, and I was with AP at the Browns, the Ravens, the Jets, and then the Patriots. And then when I became the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, he became an assistant coach for us, an assistant defensive line coach. That guy, his d- type of selflessness that was a championship selflessness was every single year we were drafting defensive linemen when, when we got to the Patriots. And AP was one of the captains for our Super Bowl, first Super Bowl team. And and he, um, every year after we drafted Richard Seymour. We drafted Ty Warren. We drafted Vince Wilfork, Jarvis Green. Every year, we were drafting guys to take his job. And he would wink at me and say, you know, you can't see me. He'd wink at me and say, not this, not yet, Pioli. Not yet, <laughs> Pioli. But here's what he would do. Every single day, he went with those guys early at practice, late at practice, meetings, weight room and was teaching guys how to take his job. That's a championship play Anthony Ple- Anthony Pleasant is one of the greatest champions that is unspoken of. In in my time in the NFL, for sure. I so admire human beings who have the confidence to surround
3: themselves with people who may actually be better at what they do than they are. A lot of people talk about that yeah. and say they
1: want it. It's a and very a lot difficult people, and, and, and they're not really capable of it. And it's because, but, because, but those are the people, it's, it's not only confidence in their own self, they also see the other side and just believe, hey, when it's my time, it's my time. Yeah. Right. There's, there's a, there's a, this is deep, but there's, it is. there's a degree of mortality and, and or 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 acknowledgement of mortality in that. Yes, that and you I just you hope f- that you've done enough that your legacy stuff is not just on the football. You know, we we, we all think about that. Yeah, we will all think about that yes. when it's our time to go. Yes, my family, my wife,
3: my son—they know the essence of who I am. Is mm-hmm. it that important for me that the rest of the world knows? What did I do here to leave
1: it better after I'm gone?
3: Exactly right. And, it's, and I think in the end, it comes down to people who understand the power of we over me, 90 seconds on the clock, and then I let you go. How important were the lessons that you learned in high school? Oh. Washingtonville High School, some 60 miles north of Newark, because in a very real way, the now famous Patriot Way begins in your estimation, from your perspective, with a team of exactly zero D1 players who somehow conjured up the right combination of determination and devotion and desire to run off 10 straight wins and capture a championship with an undefeated season. This is not glory days, guys. This is Genesis. This is seminal experience that leads to professional NFL top of the heap greatness a lot of lessons learned by oh, that team back in Washingtonville, New York.
1: Absolutely, Andrew, and and actually, NFL Films just recently did a documentary on that team. We can't wait to and see it it, it. it it just came out. Um, it's it's thirteen minutes long. It's a mini doc, and it's um, it's about. I'm going to get emotional here. Um, it's the team I was a part of. It's about my head coach. It's about my teammates. It's about this little tiny nowhere community
5: six thousand people
1: i i'd find it hard to believe there were that many people there but <laughs> i but, looked um, it up it's six yeah 000. it's um well maybe now it is but it's yeah, um right. and we were and we were dominant it was this group of 30 kids that just everyone's parent one of the parents was a city cop city fire, new york city cop city fireman union worker And it was this moment in time where we came together and then a a couple of kids that lived at Stewart Air Force Base, um, because that was in our school district as well. And all the stuff that we were taught there and led us to a championship about selflessness, about being on time, about dependability, about doing for others, because you'll see in this documentary, you know, there was a moment I was still a bit of a knucklehead and my boys called me out. My head coach called me out and it changed a lot of things. Um, but what we built that Patriot thing on, Bill was on a very similar high school team, a team that was undefeated. Some of the same stuff. And really, we try to make this game so complicated sometimes. And it, it yes, it's complicated at times, but it's really pretty simple. It's really pretty simple. Again... Not the best 53, the right 53. In Washville, it was the right 30, man.
3: <laughs> Incredible. I so appreciate you sharing that. And thank you for digging deep there because you can tell how important that still is to you. There is something that is timeless about the power of these lessons and the power of the connection that you must still feel to those 29 other guys on that yes, that high school team. I want to thank today's special guest, today's very special guest, the five-time NFL Executive of the Year, Scott Pioli. Guys, if we take anything away from this moment with Mr. Pioli, remember this. Be on time. Pay attention and work hard. Chances are pretty good if you do all of those three things, you have put yourself in a position to succeed. Oh, and try to remember that you don't know at all, because if you know what you don't know, you'll be open to learning about those things. I want to thank Scott Pioli for those lessons today. They are fantastic, and we will take them with us. I want to invite you, listener, to join us tomorrow. You all saw how Super Bowl 57 looked. Now you're going to hear how it sounds on the sideline, on the field, yes, in the huddle too. It's the magnificent sound of NFL films as applied to Super Bowl 57. We got a lot of mics around here, and they were all hot. Till then, ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired.